Welcome to the Healing for Healers podcast. This is a place for anyone who's a healer, whether you're a professional healer in private practice, somebody's parent or caregiver, or simply someone that everybody confides in. My intention is that you'll come here to find useful information, camaraderie and connection, fun and laughter, and a reminder of practical things that you can do mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to help you feel better. May this podcast help you disconnect from the world around you and find your way back into your heart. Now let's take a moment and breathe together. In and out. Good. I hope you enjoy the show. From my heart to yours. All my love. Now, I can't hear anything next door. But we have bells going off here all the time and sirens. And I find whenever something important is being spoken about, that's usually when there's an interruption. How about you? Do you find that? Yes, I do. My neighbour hasn't had his chainsaw going for many months, but the morning that I wanted to do a recording on Zoom, he starts up. Anyway, I've closed the window, so you probably can't hear it now. No, we can't hear it now. And uh, I'm so glad to have you on here. And um, just in advance of anything to say, Anna's um, Zoom, her internet's not so great, so we're going to bear with it because I think Anna has a really important message to get out. And so for those of you watching this on YouTube, you could close your eyes if it gets a little bit too blurry, but it's important. Anna, you sent me your book, you sent me your details, and I've read the whole of part one (laughs) last night. I just read it. Wow. Really. And it was incredible, I think, for me, mostly because it was written in the present moment. It was written in the present tense, and I should say it is written in the present tense. And I love doing that myself as an author, and I think it really draws you in as a reader and keeps you engaged. So um, how come you decided to do it that way? Um, It's the second book I've written, and I wrote the first one like that as well. I guess it, it's my voice. It's how how my voice comes across. And I think, as you say, it's it's engaging and it sort of gives a pace to to the writing. And other people have said the same as you, that they've picked it up and they can't put it down it, because it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Because it's very immediate and it's like you're coming on the journey with me. Um, and, and I love that idea that it carries people along like that. Well, I loved it too, particularly as, you know, it was such a big thing that happened to you to get a diagnosis of cancer. And um, again, to make it a very personal journey. So you're not saying this is how cancer is healed. You're saying this is how I healed my cancer. And I think we need more Mm -hmm. stories like that. Definitely do. So I'm delighted to have you on here. (laughs) But also in the present moment, what I really noticed and appreciated was your vulnerability, 
and when you were having moments of doubt, because what we're all doing really at the moment is unwinding the conditioning that there's only one way to move forward. So how did it feel to you again to put it all out there? It's not just a pretty book that you're saying, this is what happened and this is what I did. You're bringing people in to your process, which is an amazing thing to witness. I, I wrote it as a journal. I wrote it as a journal to start off with and, and really to help myself. And it was, you know, a few months into the journey, I thought, my goodness, I've, I've got to tell people about this because it's so it's such a different approach to um, to how cancer is normally treated. Um, and you're right in saying, you know, it is a very personal journey and everyone's journey with cancer is going to be different. But I wanted to really put put it warts and all out there, really, because. Uh, you know, I've got to be honest about it. And it, it wasn't all pretty. And it, you know, there were real moments of, oh, gosh, you know, am I going to die, basically. Um, but to see the resolution and how I came through that, I think is really helpful to people. And not only for people with cancer, I've had lots of people that haven't had that um, horrible diagnosis, but have had other things that have said, you know, there were there's so much that resonated for them in the book, and it, it is all about undoing that conditioning that you that you mentioned. Um, we have been so conditioned to be a certain way, and it, it you know it's really this book is like my spiritual coming out. Um, you know, I was I was raised in quite a conventional family. Um, they're very very staunch Christians, and you know it's it's quite a it's a really big thing for me to put this book out into the world and to to show everyone who I truly am. And I think that's what this time is about. It's like not trying to pretend to be anything to fit in with society. We all need to really be speaking our truth and um, being honest, honest. Um, and we're only going to move forward uh, if we can do that. Yeah, it's it's. Um beautiful how you share your training that you were doing at the same time, your connection on Facebook to all the groups and your shamanic teachers who I'm very familiar with. Mm -hmm. In fact, Robert Moss came to Ireland and my friend Regina was one who organized all of the workshops that he did here at that particular time. And I know Sandra Igerman as well. So when you think about it, when illness happens, we call on our communities to support us and you called on your spiritual community and I think our tendency is to call on our family and call on the clinicians do you have any more to say about that um yes I being I was in two groups on Facebook and um, one is Sandra Ingerman's alumni um, group and uh, one was as Robert Moss's group and I was actually on one of those workshops and met Regina in <laughs> Ireland um, with Robert Moss so that was really lovely and that's a really nice connection with you um, yeah so you know they were the people that I thought would be able to help me more than um, than the conventional side of things so so I went there first and I was absolutely right I put a post on Sandra Ingerman's group and I had so many messages 
of support and information I was just like wow there's all this information about how to heal naturally and that was so helpful to me um, and the same with Robert Moss's group you know I was actually doing a course on uh, in it was called Dreamers School of Soul and um, so lots was coming up in in that and that the the group there was so supportive and, and Robert himself as well um, that was where, you know, I, I got my spiritual allies all around me and it was so comforting um, to know that there were there were people that had like done this before and, and knew about it. Um, because if you go to the, the mainstream, there's nothing, there's nothing about it. So, um, yeah, that was really, really supportive. What's interesting as you're speaking, Anna, is that I'm thinking that you would have established these communities already and you already had been doing mm-hmm. shamanic work for some amount of time. So it's not that it was easy for you to reach out to a spiritual community, but it's that you had one. Whereas, you know, so I think I think the main problem in breaking down the conditioning is for people to realize that they need to have these spiritual communities before anything happens so that if something should happen, they have their community there. Tell me a little bit about how you find shamanism. How long have you been on that pathway? A really, really long time, sort of back in my 20s, I guess. I guess I've always, I've been, you know, people talk about when did you wake up? Um, and I think I've always been awake sort of since a, a young, young child. Um, I had a near-death experience when I was five and, um, it, you know, pretty much I had pneumonia and I pretty much left my body and, and uh, only came back because I felt that my parents needed me. Um, so that was that my first time of kind of journeying between the worlds. Um, and I also had a, a very kind of profound experience when I was 16. I, I went out in the middle of the night. It was a very stormy night. And um, uh, I've always lived in the country um, and went up the back hill. It's beautiful meadow with woodlands behind and just had an experience of God being in everything in nature mm. you know in the the sound of the wind that whispered through through the grass and um and the rain that was blowing into my face and and I felt like well you know God's not a, a being that's uh up in heaven with a you know um a, an old man with a beard sitting on a on a throne as as a lot of people think of of god but i had that real direct experience of god at that time um and then i guess i was searching after that you know i as i said i brought up in a very conventional family um so really searching and just kind of going to alternative bookshops and i remember going into one and this book on shamanism virtually jumped off the shelf into my hand and i, I think it was a sandra ingerman one Mm. Um, and then I sort of later, sort of in my early 20s, I um, got into shamanism through dance, really. Um, Leo Rutherford, I don't know whether you're familiar with him. He was running shamanic trance dance evenings in London and weekends. And that was uh, that was the start of it. I went went to Moncton Wild for a weekend 
and um, did shamanic trance dance and was taught how to do shamanic journeying. And it was like, wow, this is what I've been looking for. This is, you know, met all my power animals and my guides and lots of uh, like-minded people. And and that was that was it. And that was like 30 years ago. So, yeah, I've been doing it a very long time. That's funny, the, the story of the book jumping off the shelf is Sandra Ingerman, because I had a book jump off a shelf for me as well, and it was Alberto Valaldo. And um, after I read every single book that he had written, I finally went to the last page of one of the books and it says he teaches classes and here's his website. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 um it kind of finds us. I always have the image of of um is it Michelangelo of of man reaching up and God reaching down, but Unless you reach up first, it doesn't really come in. But then having said that, and you get to pull up onto a different plane and you live your life with different eyes and get the accessing, learn the ways to go inwards through the shamanic journey, we still have to bridge the gap living here with children and physical bodies. And I'm wondering, do you think this whole awakening process for us is more for the spiritually, let's call them spiritually aware people to take the next step into really trusting their own bodies, which is what you did and stepping away from the system, which I always feel is disempowering. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think for a long time I've, I've had trouble being in a body here uh, you know, that first experience as a five-year-old was like, oh, you know, and there were two voices. One voice said, you know, come to the other side. It's all beautiful on the other side. And then the other voice saying, no, you need to stay here. You've, um, you've got more to do here. So uh, ever since then, I, I have, you know, had a tendency to flit out of my body. Um, and I have, I've had another, I've had another two near-death experiences since then. So um wow. yeah I think I think this whole yeah <laughs> this whole experience was about really really you know anchoring into my body and really taking care of my body and as you say trusting it that um our bodies were made perfect and magical and we have the capacity to heal anything if we give our bodies the right circumstance um and you know, a lot of that is the kind of emotional and spiritual environment. You know, if that's not right, you your soul's going to split off and <laughs> leave your body. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of the the journey for me was was about learning to be really, really grounded and empowered in my body, and and knowing that that I can manifest whatever I want in my life, including good health. Um, yeah, it was really, really about um, really getting it that I'm the mistress of my destiny and that I, you know, uh, just, you know, let go of the the conditioning and the, you know, that someone else is in control of you and the world's in control of you. Then that's, that's really not the case. Um, and we can be whoever we want to be and we can heal anything we want to heal if, you know, that's that's you know what our soul wants 
There's so many rich images come into my mind when I listen to you speaking. Um, going on your journey with you, traveling into your journeys and into your body even, and all the things you put into your body. I mean, that that's what the fusion is, I believe, is um, it's not enough just wanting to and just thinking you have to put certain things in place as well. And you're going to laugh at me because I've been in terrible pain for the last few days. I I have all sorts of things going on in my body. I've spoken about it before. I'm healing and I feel like now I've definitely cut my contract with pain. I don't need pain to teach me anymore. And I promise I'll slow down. I promise I'll slow down without needing the pain to slow me down. But yesterday was a particularly tough day energetically and physically. And I finished your part one of your book and I looked at my watch and it was 9.30. So I put on, I, I was in my pajamas, Anna. I put on my my, my flip-flops and I said to the girls, I'm going to Little. Does anybody want to come? And I'm hearing myself and I had to go and buy celery because of you. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I need to make celery juice in the morning. I need to start looking at all these things. And maybe I can only change one thing. I used to do green juices. You know, I was just reading How to Be Well, the audiobook, finishing it up. And I lift my, grass, my glass of green juice and toast. And I'm like, why don't I drink green juice anymore? <laughs> it's very strange. So you really inspired me to get back on that track. And I'm hoping that people who read your book, I mean, th that's the magical thing about books, isn't it? That's what triggered me. Oh yes, I have to do that. And I got the energy and I went and for somebody else, it's going to be something else. You know, it's beautiful. And mm -hmm. um, the yeah. more people that, that go through, let's say the journey that you've gone through makes it easier for more people to do it as well. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> delighted <laughs> to hear you're taking celery juice. I really love celery juice. Um, yeah, I, you know, a few years ago, I would never have imagined myself <laughs> saying that. I drink celery juice every morning. Oh, I used to but do yeah, it all the time. I loved it with apple and lemon and ginger. You know, and I'm like, oh my god, I forgot how much I love that because we get so caught up in everything else that we forget. It's it's really coming back into the body, isn't it? And it's really about listening to the wisdom of our own yeah. bodies. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely it. And and what's right for one person isn't right for for others. So, you know, there's all these different diets, but it's really, as you say, it's about listening to what's exactly right for you. And and that's where the the kinesiology and shamanic journeying and and the dream work all help with that as well. Um like I had one dream where, or you probably remember it from the book, like the kinesiology had been not um bringing up that I needed magnesium, although that's quite a common deficiency for for um for people with cancer. And then I had a dream and it was me walking out of a clinic with a with a piece of paper um, which said um, magnesium is needed. And then the next time I had kinesiology, it said magnesium was needed. So it's like really, really listening closely. And if I'd taken it before then, it probably, you know, wouldn't have made any difference and I might have stopped taking it. But I got to that phase of, yeah, that's what you need now. Um, and, and other times, you know, lots of people say that 
you should be on a plant-based diet and that's the only way to heal cancer. Um, but I got very definite um, guidance that I needed some meat, um, not very much, just, you know, maybe once once a week um, or every now and then. Um, but that was definitely what I what I needed at that time. So, yeah, it's really, really listening to your your body and what's right for you. Yeah, it's it's respect and honor. Which are words we hear often in shamanic work are words that we hardly hear at all anywhere else. <laughs> You know, and, and, and when I'm reading yeah, in definitely. your book about the doctors and how they just say, this is the only way, and they give it to you in that vibration of you're going to die if you don't do it this way, makes me really think about the nocebo effect, which is really powerful, really powerful thing, which I've talked about many times before. But you know about that and the placebo effect, the nocebo effect yeah yeah so yeah and I think this whole kind of like diagnosis and prognosis yes it's so you know it's almost like putting on somebody isn't it it's like oh you've got three months to live it's like how dare they they how do they know what your soul contract is you know it's like yeah and and so many people that there are cases of people that you know that have that took the placebo for very serious things like cancer and, and healed it because their belief was so much. And then, you know, there was an example of one guy, he found out, eventually found out that he was taking the placebo. He got better. And then he found out that he'd been taking the placebo and he was dead within two weeks because the power of the mind is so powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah, nocebo, not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing, which is why it's important that people read books like yours, which says, you know, it's, and it's also, I think, from a psychological point of view, the word itself, placebo, makes it seem petty and silly instead of mm. being a powerful thing. Mm. So I love that you had mentioned Bruce Lipton. Tell me a little bit about how Bruce Lipton has influenced your thoughts. Um, yeah, he just, um, he's one of the many, really. Um, so, you know, he talks about the, um, the conditioning that you get between zero and age seven, um, is, is so powerful and, um, yeah, I, I probably probably more of an influence is um is Joe Dispenza. So um I, I you know I'm I'm familiar with Bruce Lipton, but I, I he wasn't as much of an influence as Joe Dispenza. But it it is all about using the power of the mind basically to, you know, you can be brainwashed into negative things, but why not brainwash yourself into positive things? You know, you tell your body that it's going to heal itself and. Um, so, you know, a big part of my um my journey was was using imagery from my dream. In the morning I would meditate and I would use this imagery to answer and expel it and you know really sort of uh brainwash myself into I'm healing, 
I'm healthy, um, everything's going to be fine. And um, and so it was. <laughs> yeah. Do you think brainwashing is the right term for that? Probably not. Probably not. What's <laughs> <laughs> um, that? Well, it's a better term. You give us a better term. I don't know. I think what you're doing is connecting into the frequency of your intention, which is this is what I want. Yeah. And this is what's going to happen. You know, like the mom would tell the children, this is what's going to happen. And I don't care what you, you know, you can fight all you like. This is what we're going to do. (laughs) But then you bring it through your body. I mean, you have to have that body connection. We're going to get better. We're going to heal. You know, I'm here for you and you're here for me. And I love that you were talking to your body and using the images with your body and having your body as part of your healing process. Because I know my aunt recently died recently it's been a year now she died of cancer my stepmother's had chemotherapy two times now and honestly if I was to suggest to them to talk to their body you know obviously not 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 my aunt anymore but the the idea is so alien why would I want to do that you know you just take the medicine Mm. and do what you're told it's sad it really is it is very sad. And I lost my mother-in-law um, shortly, you know, shortly after I was diagnosed, well, about two years into my healing process, because she was so convinced that um, she was a nurse. So she was so convinced that the conventional medicine was the only way to go, even though she'd seen her daughter-in-law healing using other ways. But as you say, you know, people, uh, yeah. It's it's we're conditioned. So many people are conditioned that the doctor's always right, and you know you can't question it. There's actually a law in uh, in the UK that you can't claim that anything else heals cancer, and that's why I have to be very careful about what I say. Oh um, sure, yeah. You know, uh, hmm. But maybe but maybe your body's the... always good. What was I going to say? Was um that the medical community seem to think these miracles are few and far between. But if you start to look into it, there's a lot more of them than we know. And it might be of interest for people to, to do some research themselves into, well, who else has healed themselves from other things that they were told would never happen? I mean, I had a client many years ago, who was going to infertility treatment. And she was told it was her last round. They weren't going to do it again. And she was never going to have a baby if this one didn't work. So she came to me for Reiki, which is what I was offering at the time. And the infertility treatment didn't work. So she cleared all those chemicals out of her system, but she found the Reiki so relaxing. She came to me again. And she was lying there on the plinth. And I said, let's do a visualization and go down and visit your ovaries and visit your womb and see what your body's doing. And it was like the landscape, like your dreams, the landscape of her womb and the ovaries was like a ravaged, barren, terrible, sharp and pointy place. So I said to her, a baby would not want to come down and live in this place. It's too sharp, too pointy. Let's let's soften it. Let's bring in love. And we did a few sessions where we just loved her body back to health. And guess what happened next? 
she wasn't even trying. Got pregnant. And she got pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is so powerful. Um it's one of Robert Moss's uh strongest um principles that he says um the body believes in images and it does and it's like um you know all these sports sports people they visualize themselves you know they visualize themselves running really fast and crossing the line and doing it in a certain time and they they visualize themselves scoring goals and and the body actually responds to that there are physical you know measurable physical responses to you doing things like that so the same with with healing um you know you visualize yourself healed and running about really healthy and the body starts to make it happen so absolutely um i have someone that i know in the spiritual community in dublin really wrecked their hand with glass it was i don't think they put their hand through a mirror but or a window but it was that bad and severed all the nerve connections in here and they were in hospital and they were told they'd never use their hand again, but they were Reiki masters. So they were doing Reiki on themselves. They were getting their friends to do Reiki. But the piece that I thought was the most interesting piece was she kept visualizing knitting of the nerves, knitting of the muscles, flashing of the electro, you know, the, everything moving and connecting back up again. And she got use of her hand within six months. And the doctors were like, oh, well, we don't know what happened. <laughs> And even the scarring of it is reduced. You wouldn't know she'd had such a serious accident. And um, because I I always thought our bodies were plastic. Do you ever see those um, stroke survivors who put the mirror there and they lift one arm and they tell their brain it's the other arm that's moving and then they start to gain movement of the part of their body that they didn't have because it's an actual visual image in this reality as opposed to them telling their body that they could do it so there's all kinds of things that we can do but i think we have to have that relationship with our body as well i mean if if you're fighting with your body all the time and then you give it an image and say this is what we're doing all of the reasons why the body doesn't want to do that come up as well so there is a lot of work to do and i think your bravery anna in recognizing all of the pain and the inner work that you had to do and sharing it with us in your book. And here's a layer and here's another layer and it's not a pretty journey. Isn't it so much easier to just take the medicine and just do what you're told? I think that's part of the issue. Yeah, I think in my case it wouldn't have been though because I just so didn't believe in the medicine and I would have just thought I'm poisoning myself and then you know the power of the mind then I would have been poisoning myself for sure um yeah and you talk about bravery I I think it was kind of the reverse with me I saw the suffering that people went through when they went down the conventional medicine path I thought I don't want that I really don't want that um and another factor in it was that sort of um 18 months before the diagnosis, I'd had a hip replacement. It was that the second hip replacement that I'd had. Um, and it had gone really badly. Um, basically, I it, it, I was supposed to have this 
brilliant consultant surgeon doing it like he'd done the first one. And at the last minute, a registrar um, substituted and he just made a complete hash of it. So I like went into the whole kind of cancer thing and they were like, oh, we'll rush you into surgery in two weeks. And I'm like, no, I don't want any more surgery. I had such a bad experience last time. Um, yeah, so so the the yeah, um, there are elements of courage in it, obviously, but it, for me, it was far scarier. Um, the idea of like poisoning, cutting, and burning my body, um, and and yeah, oh, it sounds awful. I, and I knew, but not even knowing yeah, who was going to be doing it. <laughs> yeah. But I think I also, right from the word go of the diagnosis, I had this really deep inner knowing that I would be okay and that I would get through this. And um, I think it was, you, you know, we have our contracts when we come into this life. And I think this was a really big part of, you know, this is this is my sole mission, basically, to to show people that there is a better way there's a kinder gentler way to heal yourself um and uh, you know i knew i knew that from the start even though there were moments of real terror uh, when i centered myself and came back to myself i knew i was going to be okay mm. so as i said i've read part one but i haven't gone anywhere near part two so maybe just to tell the people who are, who are listening a little bit about what's in that. Okay, so um, part part one is my journey of healing, how the things that I did and all the things that came up for me. And then part two is like a toolkit for people um, if they want to go down the same path as me. Um, I've made it into chapters there's there's one about shamanic healing so how to do a journey how to connect with your guidance with your power animals and your spirit guides and some suggestions for shamanic journeys that you can do to sort of uncover the root of of you know what's ailing you on both on a physical and a spiritual level um, there's a chapter on working with your dreams because that was a really important part of of my journey was working with my dreams. Um, there's a chapter on uh, food and supplements um, called Food as Medicine. So that goes into like, you know, basically the, the things that are known to to help with cancer, but also just, you know, what it is to have a healthy diet and and how to kind of tune in with that as as I said you know each person is different so you need to tune in with your kinesiology and your your dreams and your shamanic journey and to make sure that you're eating what's right for you um there's a chapter on working with your emotions um because it's been shown that that if you've got bottled up emotions and stagnant emotions that you've piled away inside you that 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 can actually um physically harm you at a cellular level um so how to work with those emotions and process out stuff you know I was really really angry about the hip replacement going wrong and that's that was a big part of my um my diagnosis for for cancer 
was um you know the the anger and the frustration that I'd felt through that happening that hadn't been processed so there's lots of tips and techniques how to work with with your emotions um just trying to think what else is in there yeah it's 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 a toolkit you know here you've got your diagnosis this is this is where you can go from here if you choose to do the natural healing or even if you don't you know like a lot of people do a hybrid where they will use conventional medicine and and then use um the natural healing alongside that to boost their immune system and to work with their emotions and things so so you can do both it's really really useful and i think based on what we said earlier you don't have to have a diagnosis to start using those tools. You could just start using them to have the background and to have the neural pathways there that 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 create that. It's like my remembering, oh yeah, I need to do juice. And I was doing it this morning and I remembered how to do it. We already had the juicer, it'd been sitting there for ages. My husband said, Oh, I could get you a cabbage leaf down from the allotment if you want that. And I got really angry. So that's too much for me. I can't cope with this. <laughs> Let me just do celery, please. It's like, I was only trying to help. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know, it was wonderful for you to read the support that you had from your husband was beautiful. And I think as well, a very important thing to acknowledge that we can't do what we do if we don't have that support. So for anyone who is watching or listening to this, who has a little bit of support, but never tried a shamanic journey or feels that they can't do it, maybe it's not something that they've ever thought of doing to start planting the seeds that you can do it and don't wait for something that happens to make you do it, you know do it now and <laughs> do it to try it. And, you know, the way I, I see a shamanic journey, I don't know if, if it's been explained this way to you, Anna, but we wake up from a dream, we go deep into our psyche. And depending on the flavor of the dream, it can be just an organizing dream as to stuff that happened today. And I'm trying to make sense of it, or it can be going into the subconscious to say, these are things that are on your mind that you've forgotten about that you really need to pay attention to. Or we can drop into the collective, which is everybody's consciousness, and get information there about something that might be coming up or something that, you, you know, just, just, just kind of a stirring. But it's always been about going through the dream and into that, which is what you do, which is beautiful. But then the shamanic journey can be bringing your lucid mind and the power of your imagination in there to change the landscape, to say it's okay to have a soft and gentle place in your womb. It's okay to let the love in. It's okay to release the illness, to go into the cells and say, thank you for doing such a great job. I'm doing this with my hands because I like patting the cell walls. And both of us have in common that we've studied science in college, which I think has been very interesting mm -hmm. to pave the pathway, to not be afraid because we understand the basic anatomy of the human body to, to, to do the journey in there. So even if someone is listening to this and you look at your body and you don't know what it looks like on the inside, go and do some basic anatomy as well. You know, as you can talk to your muscles, talk to your nervous system, talk to the the myofascial tissue and the different organs and understanding what they do. I think really helps you then understand the systems within and what you need to do to support those systems as well. 
Isn't it so disempowering the way we're taught at school, the way we move through life? That, you know, that basic anatomy, I think, should is more important to be learning than some of the things they teach you in the curriculum at school. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been so helpful. Um, you know, I, I did quite a lot of anatomy with my... Um, with my shiatsu diploma um but i also you know did biochemistry at university and for a long time i thought why did i do biochemistry <laughs> because i never actually wanted to go into that side of things as a job um but it you know it came to my cancer diagnosis and i thought oh actually it's really really useful now because i understand what happens in the cells and um so that gives me a clue of like how to get them better um and it also helped me to understand you know uh there's a really great book by um barbara wren um and uh, she talks about getting more light into the cells and how how the cell walls can um and when they're under stress can become less permeable to the the good things so they end oh, okay. up keeping toxins inside so um so you need to create the environment where where the the cells stop being on red alert so that they can be more permeable and let in all the goodness that you're taking with your juices and your lovely water and um and let out the toxins and um let them be passed out of your body so yeah um i think i think learning about anatomy and physiology is really really important um anybody can do that there's some great books out there um there's some really good videos too that just take you traveling through the body and seeing you know the different parts and how it works it's so interesting what you just said there Anna about when you're really stressed it stops the cells from letting in the light and letting out the toxins it's it's a terrible feedback loop where you just get totally stagnant and I think the amount of energy to get started is greater than the amount of energy you need for maintenance. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think when everything's working nicely, then um, it's, it's, it's just easy. And, and all those things like the juices are an added bonus. Um, but yeah, I, I think when i when i had my diagnosis i had three months of having to be really really strict with what i ate what i took into my body on all levels you know um both physically and emotionally and electronically you know emfs um can have a factor as well but um once yeah once you've there was definitely there was a, a feeling that once i'd got through that phase i could be a bit more um relaxed about you know and then down the line I could even have a chocolate brownie and a, a strong cup of coffee and not worry about it but <laughs> you know in those those first few months really important to be quite on it and strict with myself but you know if you do that forever it becomes more kind of punitive I think and and that's not good for you either so a little of what you fancy does you good every now and then as long as it's not you know everything that you're eating and drinking yeah what i what i've learned is that when the body is in balance the cravings for things like 
brownies and chocolate does disappear because those cravings aren't actually your cravings they're your bacterial cravings the ones that want the sugar and as you're very clearly putting it in your book about alkaline environment versus an acidic environment and to starve out the cancer cells and um I read a Deepak Chopra book years and years ago where he basically says we all have cancer all the time in our bodies and our body is flushing it out all the time. And when the body is overloaded or overwhelmed, um, then that's when it takes. It takes that your body knows what to do with yeah. the cancer. And it struck me, you know, that's probably his best book that he ever wrote. Because all of the stuff that he's written lately, I wouldn't have any time for. <laughs> so he, you sneak in the good stuff, get established, and then who knows what the heck happens to you. But, but for me, that book really, really describes, and you would have an appreciation of this with, with the biochemical background, that you can't, if you take one pill for one thing, it has a knock-on effect on all the other things that are running in the body. And so it might be giving your body a break from whatever is overloading it so that it can repair what needs to be repaired. But then if you keep taking the pill the way that modern medicine makes you continually take these medical medicine for the rest of your life, then other things really get backed up and, and, and suffer. And, and I saw Bruce Lifton in Dublin, which is why I had mentioned him earlier. And he was on the stage and he's in his seventies and he's full of energy. He was going to talk for an hour and two and a half hours later, he was still on the stage. <laughs> He's just a fabulous guy. But something he said really stuck with me. He said, they say that there are side effects from taking medication, but they need to just call them effects. And I thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just sort of rewinding to the, what you said about um our bodies having cancer cells circulating all the time. Somebody said that to me early on in my journey and it made so much sense. And it really, um, yeah, I think that's the key. And I think that was the key to me deciding not to have surgery because it's like, if you've got cancer cells um, circulating in your body all the time and and most of the time when if your immune system is strong your body's dealing with them it's the natural cycle of of the cells um life and death cycle um and your immune system can deal with them then um it's it's when the toxins build up and you know i had this series of of surgery and and uh, traumatic things happen to me that damaged my immune system and and stopped me from processing those chemicals and toxins out of my body um yeah so so the thought that well okay so if you have surgery and you have the lump removed but you've still got the issue that caused the lump to grow in the first place then you haven't solved the problem um and you know chemotherapy although it, it you know it does kill the cancer cell it also kills a lot of your immune cells so those those you know knowing that that thing i thought well, no, the key is about getting your immune system better and getting your cells communicating with each other. Um, and that really, really helped shift my mindset um, about how to deal with the disease. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear you talking like this. And, I, you know, I'm thinking of my father-in-law 
who also has cancer, who went in for treatment, came out of the hospital with MRSA as well as having, you know, <laughs> my stepfather, who's now, you know, passed on, who also got MRSA from being in the hospital environment. And my aunt went in there to have her chemotherapy and got COVID. So they're not these clean, you have this idea in your mind of a clean clinical place with the white coats and everything, but they've, that's a breeding ground for bacteria. And then I think of George Carlin, do you ever watch him? And he talks about when I was a child, we used to swim in the sewer and that's where we got our great immunity from. And I'm like, we need to go back to that. <laughs> we, we, I was watching what my, my, my eldest daughter is now 22. But when she was little, we watched the adverts for Domestos because I was still watching television in those days. Kills 99.999% of germs dead. And she turned to me and said, well, what about the other one that, that they don't kill? What happens to that one? <laughs> I said to her, that's the one that kills you. (laughs) You know, she's like, oh my God. I said, don't worry, love. We don't use that in our house. You sit on the floor and you can pick up the dust and eat it and you're doing grand. (laughs) So we can't, it's, it's, it's being afraid of life. Isn't it the difference there? Being afraid to live. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was brought up on a farm and my mum always said, you know, a bit of dirt doesn't hurt. You know, it's actually good for you. So sort of prior prior to that, I had a really strong immune system. And um, yeah, getting your getting your feet in contact with the earth and your hands in contact with the soil is really, really good for you. And, um, yeah. and nurturing that microbiome uh, just just. Um, reading a book at the moment or well it's recommended by my cousin about it gets very specific about the microbiome and the, the good healthy bacteria and how there are different strains of bacteria that are good for different things like there's one particular strain that's really good for your muscle strength and there's another one that's really really good for killing fungus in your body and so you can actually make yogurt with specific bacteria in that um that will help whatever issue you've got so um i'm excited about looking into that at the moment that is really Um, exciting yeah Yeah, because i I was following i don't know if you know pamela popper she's a doctor from america who thinks the way we think but she's actually a clinical doctor and she's got together all the information about the mammograms and basically saying that people who have mammograms have worse health than people who don't have them because all of these natural cysts and abscesses and blisters clear themselves anyway, but now you can see them there and then there's a procedure and then you have to heal from the procedure as well as doing the healing that you were doing anyway. And she talks about gut bacteria and there's a correlation between your immune system and a specific bacteria that apparently vitamin C is really good for. You know, and the, oh, it's it's fascinating. And the Better Way Conference, did you watch any of that with Dr. Tess Larry? And they had this, this woman come on and said she tested 26 mainstream products for this particular bacteria that they said that they had. And it was only actually in two of them. The rest of them just had sugar in them. <laughs> so learning to make your own yogurt of your own, you know, to cultivate yourself there's a biochemist in you who knows this is going to open up a whole new business for you 
I don't think I'd be brave enough to grow bacteria, but if you grew it, I, w- I would trust it for coming from you. So. Well, I think um, just you you buy the culture and you pop it in the yogurt, and it's just like normal yogurt making, you know. Um, they're they're not uh, they're not pathogenic bacteria. They're the, they're the good gut friendly bacteria. But I just thought it was really interesting that there are you know specific ones have specific effects on the body. And um, it was my cousin was telling me about it because she's had similar to me. She had a hip replacement and um, didn't recover very well from it um, and had to have it redone. And part of her recovery, she started doing this yoga and she said like when she's the she's been taking this yogurt for about six weeks and there's been such a marked difference in her her muscle strength whereas um she was really struggling before now she can walk five miles without any issue and it's like wow that's that's a really good good result from uh from your yogurt making would that have an impact on inflammation because i think all of us have inflammation just from being here and yeah there's there are specific um bacteria that you can that you can put in the mix that will help with inflammation so yeah it's called super gut and i can't remember the name of the author but um something like william davis but don't quote me on that but if you if you go onto amazon and look up super gut that it brings the book up yeah and there's lots of Lots of videos on YouTube about people making, showing you how to make the yogurt. So, yeah. It feels to me, Anna, that your journey is just really beginning here, which is exciting. <laughs> yeah, so. I think so. There's, there's been so much, there's been so much buzz around the book and, you know, people are clamoring for it. So, it, yeah, I think so. Do you have a copy yeah, there? So we can see the cover the of journey. it. A wild adventure on the big sea, and there's a sea. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So highly, highly recommend this book. I'll put the links with the podcast and the video to go and buy it. And um, I'm really delighted to have you on here and you have your voice ringing out strong and true in the world so we'll break down the paradigms of you know that that there is only one way of doing this because there isn't and um yeah is there anything you'd like to to say to the listeners before we go um yeah i think uh, my sort of take home from from the whole journey is that our bodies are really magical and they can heal anything um given the right circumstances and that we are all we're not victims we need to step out of victimhood and really get it that we are masters of our own destiny and um that love and forgiveness heal everything and that is, you know, that's the biggest take home from from my my journey with this. And you can apply that to any any ailment that you have. So I wish anybody who's who's on this journey with uh, with cancer, you know, many blessings. And and I hope you find 
find the answers um, that your soul is looking for. And uh, lots of love to everyone. Well, thank you so much. And um, we'll talk again. Thank you. If anything in this podcast triggered you, stimulated you to want to know more, or if you have any questions, guest suggestions, or ideas around what you'd like me to talk about, please send an email to healingforhealerspodcast at gmail.com and I'll see you in the next episode.